Amen. Turn with me to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, verse 1. Paul in Romans 7 was describing his own personal struggle with sin. And he said, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. Woe is me, who will deliver me from this body of death? So he had experienced a struggle spiritually, and he says at the end of the chapter, thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And he talks about the power of the Holy Spirit in in chapter 8. But, you know, all of us have struggles in our spiritual walk, don't we? There is a process of growth that must take place. Think of uh, Yodia and Syntyche and Uh, In one place, Paul says, I encourage them to agree together in the Lord. In their case, they had a fight between the two of them and were at odds with each other. Maybe there was bitterness there and unforgiveness there. And he challenges them to deal with this problem in their life so that they can grow spiritually. Uh, We need God's help in, in spiritual growth. We can't do it on our own. Uh, And the scripture that we're going to look at today actually talks about a physical healing. But in this physical healing, we see the elements that God gives us to help us grow spiritually. And so uh, the story goes that this man has been for 38 years, has been bound in this sickness and is so lame in his legs, he can't get to the water. Now, uh, the, the text tells us that the water would be stirred, and uh, there's actually a, a verse that gives some historical information that is, is, uh, is helpful in, in the, the earliest manuscripts, but uh, tells us that an angel would come down and stir the waters there uh, so that they could come and be healed. Uh, but that's not really the focus of the story. The focus is this man who is sick and and paralyzed or something in his legs or some problem with his legs and he's been that way for 38 years now I would imagine that would be a pretty miserable existence waiting in vain and he even says to Jesus at one point Jesus said do you want to be healed and he says well I, I do but I'm not fast enough people get in there before me they've got helpers and so forth and they get in there before me and they're healed and by the time I get there it's over and there's no healing for me. And so there's this, there's this frustration. There is this uh, disillusionment probably. Perhaps even depression. Because for so long he has desired to be healed. But healing seems out of reach for him. Some people feel that way with their spiritual life. I want to be healed. I, I want to have victory and. It just seems like the struggle is never ending. Uh, We are in a battle, but praise God, the battle belongs to the Lord. Jesus speaks to this man, and he says, rise, take up your bed, and walk. And he rises, takes up his bed, and begins to walk. And I imagine it's just filled with joy. Because for the first time in 38 years, years he's able to walk through the power of one word spoken by Jesus Christ that made all the difference this is the power of the Savior that we serve 
So the man is walking there with his bed, and, and uh, some of the religious leaders say, well, hey, don't you know it's against our tradition, against our Sabbath law, for you to carry your bed on the Sabbath? This was part of the oral law that they had made in addition to the Bible. This wasn't part of the Bible that he's talking about. But uh, they said, who, who uh, told you to carry your mat? Because he said, hey, the person that healed me told me to carry it. Who's this guy? And he doesn't know. And so um, finally Jesus comes back to him again and he says, he says, stop sinning so that something worse doesn't happen to you. Now here we get a clue. We know from Scripture that not all sickness is the result of sin. Sometimes people get sick and there's nothing whatsoever they've done wrong. It's just the fact that they've gotten sick. But sometimes sickness is from God. It's a discipline if you're a child of God. Or if you're not, it's a judgment of God. And so he says, stop sinning so that something worse doesn't happen to you. So Jesus says, look, you've been made healed. You're whole. But I want to tell you something. You're not whole spiritually. And unless you get that dealt with, this physical matter is just temporary. You see, the real issue was this man's soul. And I believe that Jesus in his love. Sometimes I have people ask me, does God answer the prayers of lost people? Well, here we, I think we have an example of that. Because you have this man who has this issue, but he's a sinner. And evidently doesn't know Christ. Uh, Jesus has to come to him and say, stop sinning so that something doesn't worse, worse doesn't happen to you. So God, in his grace, does good for this man and heals his body so that his soul might be healed. One scripture says, God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. God is good. One scripture says the kindness of God is what leads you to repentance. God's goodness that he shows to his people is for the express purpose of drawing them closer to him. And so this man has a choice to make. And apparently at this juncture, he doesn't make the right one. He goes off and rather than responding to Jesus he tells the Pharisees, yeah, this Jesus guy's the guy that healed me. And they start chasing after him and giving him a hard time. So um, we need to come to Jesus for spiritual wholeness. And that's not just for salvation. That is also for spiritual growth in our lives. The title of my message is The Path to Spiritual Health. The path to spiritual health. How can we be healthy? That's what we're going to talk about. Look at verse 1. After this, a Jewish festival took place, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the sheep gate in Jerusalem, there is a pool called Bethesda in Aramaic, which has five colonnades. Within these lay a large number of the disabled, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been disabled for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and realized he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the disabled man answered, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. 
Get up, Jesus told him. Pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat, and started to walk. Now that day was the Sabbath, and so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, This is the Sabbath. The law prohibits you from picking up your mat. He replied, The man who told, made me well told me, Pick up your mat and walk. Who is this man who told you, Pick up your mat and walk, they asked. But the man who was healed did not know who it was, because Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. After this, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Do not sin anymore, so that something worse doesn't happen to you. The man went and reported to the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Therefore, the Jews began persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. The path to spiritual health. How can you be spiritually healthy? Well, first of all, you need to recognize your helplessness. You need to recognize your helplessness. If you look at verse 5, one man who had been there disabled for 38 years. He was helpless. There was nothing he could do to change his condition. But Jesus helped him change it. We need to recognize that if the Apostle Paul says the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I do. Woe is me who will deliver me from this body of death. You and I are going to struggle too. But praise God that he can help us have victory. The Bible says the power of the resurrection lives in us. And so, uh, as you look at David, King David in Scripture, he has the uh, sexual relationship with Bathsheba, kills her husband to cover up his affair. And the Scripture says for an extended period of time, he was away from God. Finally, Nathan the prophet comes and he says, you are the man. You know, you're the one who sinned against God. And David says, I have sinned. And, and you read Psalm 51 and David is confessing his sin to God, his, his sins of murder and adultery. And, uh, and is saying, Lord, the bones you have crushed, let them rejoice again. Let the sweetness come back in my relationship with you. And David recognized that he was in a desperate place and he needed what only God could give him. And so he called out upon the name of the Lord. That's one of the best things you can do in your struggle. Uh, come to the word of God as well and, and to follow the counsel of God's word um, is, is one thing very important. But you've got to recognize your helplessness. Because the Bible says in, in John 15, Jesus words himself. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And that includes living a victorious life. You can't do it. I can't do it. We need him. We need to lift up our eyes to him. It's amazing the difference that came for the 12 apostles when the Spirit came at Pentecost. How changed they were. I mean... They went from always misunderstanding Jesus and failing and fleeing and when the, when the chips were down. I mean, they failed in every conceivable way. But Jesus empowers them at Pentecost and everything changes. As we begin to recognize how much God loves us. By the way, did you know God doesn't love you because of how good you are? 
He doesn't. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He saw you at the worst point of sin in your life. And he said, I love him or I love her. And he, and he chose to extend his forgiveness. God loves you and extends his grace to you. There's nothing you can do to make yourself more accepted before God. Nothing you can do to make yourself less accepted before God if you're a child of God. Now, if you don't know him yet, that's a different story. God loves you and he wants you to be saved. But until you're saved, you, you rest under the penalty and judgment of your sin and the ultimate judgment that is yet to come. So you need Christ. You need to repent of your sin and put your trust in Jesus today. But if you're a child of God, God has made his power known to you. And I encourage you to spend time in Romans 8 where it talks about walking by the Spirit and, and letting the Spirit empower you and calling out on God to, to help the, ask the Spirit to quicken you as you struggle with temptation. Or uh, to look at Galatians chapter 5 where it speaks about those who live by the Spirit will surely not fulfill the desires of the flesh or old nature. Okay? These are, these are scriptures that talk about this power that God has given us. Also, spend some time studying what God has done for you. In Romans 5, that's one of my favorite places in scripture. How he's acquitted you of all sin, clothed you in the righteousness of Christ. And has caused you to stand forevermore in his grace. If you know him, that's the case. You stand in his grace. You were his enemy. If you're a child of God, you were his enemy before coming to, to faith in Christ. And now God has adopted you as his child. Isn't that a wonderful truth? If he was for you when you were his enemy, how much more now that you are his child so recognize your helplessness you can't do this without God you can't do this without the prayers of others in some cases some some people get so far down the path of sin and bondage that they need other Christians to help them break free James talks about this and he says Confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. By the way, even if you're not that far down that path, you still need the people of God. You need the encouragement of the people of God. You need people that can speak into your life and minister to you as a child of God. Lone Ranger Christianity was never what God had in mind. God designed us for community and he has told us in his word that he gives some parts of the body things that he doesn't give other parts of the body. Which means if you don't come to church, you're not getting all that God has for you. So if we're in a battle and Satan wants to destroy us, you need every tool that you can muster in this battle that is a supernatural tool that God has given you. And part of that is the body of Christ that he's given us. So... Recognize your helplessness. Without God, without the Word of God, without His people, you're in serious trouble. And so am I. 
So recognize that. I, th- I think that sometimes we think, well, I, you know, I can just pull myself up by my bootstraps and I can just, uh, you know, if I'm determined enough or if I uh, make a strong enough resolution, I can do it. You do need to make a resolution to follow Jesus. But listen, it's not your resolution that's going to give you victory. It's the power of Christ. So recognize your helplessness. The path to spiritual help or health, first of all, to recognize your helplessness. Secondly, how to be healthy, not only recognize your helplessness, evaluate your desire. Look at verse 6. When Jesus saw him lying there and realized, literally knew that he had already been, that's what the Greek says, he knew that he had been there a long time. He said, do you want to get well? I know, I know a lot of people that probably would have given a smart mouth answer to that. Well, what do you think? You know, <laughs> Do I want to get well? Of course I want to get well. But I, I think Jesus, Jesus is, uh, is challenging him to think about this. Is this your, your desire? Is this what you really want to do? Because if he got well, guess what he's going to have to do? He's going to have to go get him a job. Life is going to change. It's not going to be the same. The same thing is true spiritually. Some people don't want to get well. They like their sin. And until you make up your mind that that's what you truly want, you're going to quench the Spirit of God and you're not going to have victory. It's just a fact. The Bible says a broken and contrite heart, God will not despise. I love that scripture. If you're broken over your sin... If you're crushed and you're just, you're, you're just longing for God to deliver you, the Bible says he will accept you every time. But when you set your mind to go against the truth of God and the purposes of God, you'll quench the Spirit and there'll be no victory and there'll be no power. That's just the way it works. Do you truly want to be saved? If you, if you don't know Christ... Do you really want to be saved? Do you really want to follow Jesus? It's a question to ask yourself. Uh, Somebody said, you need to count the cost. Count the cost. Uh, We are to, if you come to Christ, you're to surrender your life to him. You're to choose to follow him, right? That's part of repentance. Turning from my sin in my own way to follow Jesus Christ. It's a choice I make. Do I really want to make that choice? And sometimes people just really aren't at that place. Do you want to get well? You've got to evaluate your desire. Now, if you're not there and you say, well, yeah, I've evaluated my desire, and guess what? I don't want to be saved. Guess what? I don't want to grow spiritually. Then what you need to do is tell God that. Be honest. Here's where I'm at. If you're you're lost, say, Lord, I don't want to be saved. Would you change my heart? It's a good prayer. I think that's a prayer God will answer. If you're a child of God, Lord, I don't want to repent of my sin. I like my sin. Maybe you have to say that. Help me have the right heart. Help me hunger and thirst after righteousness. Because that's what the Bible says, right? If we hunger and thirst after righteousness, we'll be filled. It's a promise of God. So bring your wrong heart to God. 
Um, help me, Lord, give me what I need so that I can grow and have the right attitude in my heart toward you. Evaluate your desire. Uh, one scripture says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know, God's will is what we would desire if we had the sense to desire it. Did you know that? A lot of times the reason we don't desire God's will is we believe the lie of the devil. The lie of the devil says, well, if you follow Jesus, you're not going to have any fun. You're not going to have any joy. You're not going to... Life is going to be a misery, and you know, you got this picture of this um, joyless person dressed in black, sitting in the corner all the time, muttering to himself. That's not Christianity. True biblical Christianity, the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. There's a joy in the Lord. Not only is there a joy in the Lord, but as you follow him and as he begins to direct you in the path that he designed you to follow, there is joy in that. It is amazing what God does to bless us. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Evaluate your desire. So um, the path to spiritual health. First, recognize your helplessness. Second, evaluate your desire. Thirdly, exercise your faith. Exercise your faith. Verse 8, Jesus told him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly the man got well, picked up his mat, and started to walk. Now, the scripture doesn't tell us these details. Okay, so I'm kind of using my imagination here. But what happened in that moment when Jesus told him to get up? Well, he had the choice to make. He could trust Jesus. He could say, are you crazy? I've been lame, and my, I've been lame all this time. You think I'm going to walk today? Are you nuts? He could have said that, right? I mean, he could have done that. But that's not what he did. He made a choice to get up. And I think at that moment when he exercised his faith, he believed what Jesus said, and he took action based on what Jesus said, I think the bones began to strengthen. The tendons began to strengthen. The muscles began to strengthen in his legs. And before long, he leapt he left up to his feet. I don't know. If, I, if it was me, I'd have been doing a dance. But uh, I, he... he he is completely changed. He is completely healed. And he'll never be the same. If he'll repent. So um, he had to exercise his faith. Sometimes we're called to take a step of faith for the Lord. Um, God told Abraham, get up, leave your country, and go to the land that I will show you. And he did. That was his step of faith. He responded to what God had asked him to do. Uh, God told Jonathan, I, I like the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer. Uh, they go up, and uh, it, Jonathan has sought the Lord, and 
And God says, if you see rustling in the bushes, that means that, that God has gone up before you, that his angelic messengers have gone up before you. Uh, and then go up for the battle is yours. And so Jonathan takes his armor bearer, and the two of them go, and they wipe out this whole Philistine group, just two of them. It was like watching an action movie, I'm sure. I mean, it was something else. And uh, why? Because God was at work, and he told them what to do, and they had the faith to step out and do what God told them to do. Do that in your personal life and see how Jesus will come to your aid. The Bible says this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. We look at the culture, we look at everything and the, the wickedness in the culture. Listen, we have something that can overcome the world. It's our faith in Jesus. What about Satan? You say, well, Satan's too powerful, I can't overcome Satan. You know what the Bible says in Ephesians 6? He's talking about the armor of God. He says, taking up the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. If you want to put it in today's language, there isn't a missile that they can shoot at you that will get through. God has his own Star Wars program, and it's called faith. Nothing can penetrate it that the devil has in his arsenal. It is mighty and powerful. Well, what about my old nature? I can't overcome my old nature, my weakness in my flesh. I can't overcome it. What am I going to do? By faith, reckon yourself dead to sin and alive to God. I never understood that. I read Romans 6 and I would, what is this about? Consider yourself dead to sin and alive. What in the world does that mean? And I would... Most, most of my life, I d didn't understand that. Finally, I heard somebody preach a message on that that just the light bulb came on. He said, when you're, when you're going and you're struggling with sin, declare that what God says is true about you. I'm dead to that. Because guess what? In the power of the Holy Spirit, you are. I'm dead to that. And I'm alive to Christ. You see, it's by faith. It's by faith that we live the Christian life. We listen to what he says in his word. One problem is a lot of people aren't listening to God. They're listening to the world. Listen to him. Take action on what he says. Listen to the Holy Spirit as he convicts you of sin. Listen to the Holy Spirit as he gives you a course of action. And recognize that in those times of temptation, you need to be careful who you listen to. Because the Holy Spirit isn't the only spirit. But exercise your faith in what God has said. And then finally, uh, not only the, the path to spiritual health, not only uh, do we need to receive, uh, recognize your helplessness, Evaluate your desire or exercise your faith. You need to hear your warning. Verse 14. Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Literally, you are whole. That word whole appears over and over again in this passage in Greek. You are whole. You are whole. Be whole. 
Do not sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. So Jesus is telling him, you need to deal with your spiritual issue so that I don't have to bring more judgment into your life. Jesus loves this man. He doesn't want him to be judged. But because God is just without the blood of Christ, God has to carry out upon us the justice that we deserve for our sin. That's just the way it works. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment. If you're lost today, you will one day stand. If you don't trust Christ, you'll one day stand before God's judgment. And the Bible says he will get every man will be judged for every word that he speaks. He'll be judged for the attitudes of his heart. The Bible says he's the one who searches the hearts and minds. He'll be judged for every sin that he's committed that breaks the law of God. He'll be judged for everything he did not do that he should have done. I want to tell you something. That's a lot of judgment. If you start thinking about the course of your life. Somebody once said, uh, getting to, he- to heaven is kind of like trying to throw a baseball across the Grand Canyon. One person may get it farther than the other person, but nobody gets it across. Our sin is so great that there is a Grand Canyon between us and God. And without Jesus, we have no hope of getting to heaven. The Bible says Christ died for sin once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. That is the only way a person can be saved is through the cross of Jesus Christ, through his perfect life that he lived in our place. If you don't know Christ today, you need to hear the warning that this man heard, which is you need to give your life to Christ while you have the opportunity. Make a decision today to turn from your sin your own way to follow Jesus and receive that gift of eternal life that Jesus bought and paid for at the cross. He said, it is finished. Paid in full. If you're here today and you know Jesus, you also need to hear his warning. Though you don't have to worry about eternal judgment, that's taken care of at the cross for you. You don't even have to worry about the wrath of God right now. Because the Bible says we're not appointed to suffer wrath. But you do need to worry about the discipline of God. Discipline is different than judgment because judgment gives us what we deserve that's just. Discipline is God's instrument to help us become more like Jesus. And the motivation of discipline is love, not justice. Okay? Now, discipline can be very, very difficult. 1 Corinthians talks about sickness. It says that because they were desecrating the Lord's Supper and because they were, uh, the, the wealthy were coming before the poor got off from work, they were coming and they were eating up all the food. They had a, like a love feast with the, with the Lord's Supper. And then the poor would get there and the poor didn't have anything to eat. And Paul says to them, 
because of this, God is disciplining your church. There are many that are weak and sickly among you, and many that sleep, and many of you have died. Now, in that case, he just took them home early, but they crossed his deadline for repentance. So discipline can be severe. But here's the thing about discipline. God only disciplines us as much as we need it. Okay? In the case of taking them home to heaven, it's probably because the church needed it. That they needed that, that evil presence removed so that they could go forward. But, uh, but in most cases, it's what the individual needs in order to help them become like Christ. And so, you know, if you've got, if you've got two different kids and one kid is strong-willed and the other kid is generally compliant... You, to the compliant kid, you may say, stop that. Maybe you even have to give them a swat on the tail, okay? But they stop, and you don't have any problems for a while. You got the strong-willed kid? <laughs> Get ready to, to give a whipping because it's going to be needed, right? Because they're not just not going to listen to you. You tell them, don't, don't touch that. What are they going to do? <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, and why? Because they're strong-willed. With a strong-willed kid, it takes more to get them to the place where they're walking on the path they need to walk on, right? The same thing is true with us. God doesn't discipline us more than we need it. So one thing you could tell God is, Lord, please give me a heart that responds to you when you speak to me. (laughs) And let me not get down the path, because what does God do? He just keeps getting... A bigger, I'm speaking figuratively here, a bigger two-by-four, okay, until we finally pay attention. That's what he does with discipline. So if you respond quickly, you're not going to have much issue with discipline. So, But hear your warning. Uh, here's the thing. You say, well, I'm a Christian. Why should I have to worry about God's discipline? Because God wants the best for you. He wants you to walk in his joy. He wants you to live the victorious, spirit-filled life. He wants you to lay up treasure in heaven. And how you follow him here will be the measure of the rewards you receive there. He wants your best. So listen to him and let him do your work or his work in you. If, If you're not a believer... Your situation is very serious indeed. The Bible says, he who has his son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. And the wrath of God remains on him. Presently. But also in eternity. Uh, God doesn't desire that for you. That's why John 3.16 is in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever shall believe in him, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You have a choice. Will you take the path to spiritual health? Or will you take the path to discipline or to judgment? It's a choice each of us must make. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I'm going to ask here in a moment that you just pray something like this with me. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned against you. I don't deserve your forgiveness. But today, I choose to turn from my sin in my own way. And I receive Jesus. I put my trust in the work that he did at the cross. 
from my sin, and I trust him to forgive me based on his promise. If that's your heart, I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to ask you to pray with me here in just a moment. But if you're a child of God, I just want you to to pray a two-word prayer. I surrender. I surrender. Lord, help me with your grace. The two words, I surrender, is the most important part, okay? But help me. Give me your grace. Let's pray. If if you don't know Christ, pray with me right now. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned against you, and I can't save myself. But I thank you that Jesus lived the perfect life that I couldn't live. That he died the death that I deserved, and he paid my penalty in full. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And I choose to turn from my sin to follow him right now. I receive the gift of eternal life. If you prayed that prayer in your heart this morning, I'm going to ask you here in just a moment to come forward and let us know what you've done to make that decision public.